Friends, today is Trinity Sunday, which is a day when we celebrate the fullness of God in all of God's Trinitarian glory. Our second reading on this Trinity Sunday comes from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Let us listen now for a word from God. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Friends, these are the words of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, pour your Holy Spirit upon us now. Calm our hearts, still the to-do list, and steady our hands. Open our ears and our hearts to hear the words you are saying to us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So as I was graduating college, I thought it would be a really good idea to run a marathon. Yeah. I had run a half of that spring, and it seemed like all of my friends were posting these really cool pictures with big smiles and those medals after they had run a full, so I thought, I can do that. So I printed out one of those training plans. I bought that goo, that high carb, whatever, that Jeff Roberts could probably tell you actually what's in that. I don't know, but marathoners had it, so I had to have it. And I thought it would be a breeze. The race was in Raleigh in October, and I was feeling really good because it started at the bell tower of my alma mater, Go Wolfpack, and it went through downtown Raleigh and along the Greenway, and it really was a beautiful course. Now, the first 20 miles weren't that bad, and I realized how ridiculous it sounds to say that 20 miles of running wasn't that bad. But I trained. But no one ever talks about that last 6.2 miles of a marathon. At that point, I was tired. I was a little bored. My body ached. My feet felt like cement blocks, and there were blisters that were forming on the balls of my feet that throbbed with each step that I took. I smelled. I was chafing under my arms, and miserable feels like the understatement of the century. I'd never wanted to quit something more in my life, but my pride and my arrogance were too big. But for that last 6.2 miles, the only thing I was thinking about was how I had paid money to endure that suffering, and can I please get a refund? <laughs> suffering and pain 
is something that we all experience in some way, shape, or form, in both big ways and in small ways. And our pain and our suffering isn't something that we talk about very often. No one ever talks about the suffering and the misery of miles 20 through 26.2 when they talk about running a marathon. I think it's quite interesting that Paul is talking about how no one ever talks about suffering in his letter to the church in Rome. Romans did not talk about their suffering or their weaknesses, like ever. To do so would be a clear sign that God was not pleased with them, and no one wants to associate with people who God doesn't like. There was this big avoidance in talking about or sharing anything that expressed shame, pain, or suffering. And I think that's still true today for us here in this room. We are very good at the humble brag, but we have a hard time talking about the things we aren't as good at. We'll do anything to avoid talking about the things that are breaking our hearts. And we'll do anything so that the only thing anyone can see about us is this brave face we put on that screams, I'm good, I still have it all together, everything is fine, right? As someone who truthfully hasn't experienced much suffering in their lives, unless you count that marathon, there are two thoughts that I think are fundamental to suffering, that are fundamental to understanding what Paul is getting at in these words. First, sharing our suffering is not a competition. We don't have to one-up one another with who has carried the most pain or survived the most tragedy. There's no prize for suffering. And the second thing, we tend to keep our suffering and our pain to ourselves because it's nothing compared to the suffering or to the pain of third world countries, of war-torn nations, to the suffering of a grieving loved one, the suffering of battling cancer, or the suffering of experiencing school shootings. We keep our sufferings to ourselves because other people have it worse, right? And that's really the part that makes me the most sad and afraid for the state of our world. We think that because other people are carrying more significant pain, that we just need to rally through whatever it is we're facing all by ourselves. We put up walls thinking that we are supposed to be helpers instead of the ones being helped. So we keep pain to ourselves for fear that that pain is not worthy of sharing. Lending a helping hand exudes strength and power, but we have this perception that asking for help or accepting help means that we are weak, that we aren't worthy of connection. We have a hard time sharing our weaknesses, and we keep those weaknesses to ourselves because we are the helpers, not the ones who need help. And that's just not good. That is not what God asks of us. 
That's what I think Paul is getting at in telling the church in Rome to boast in their sufferings. And that's why I think these verses get selected for Trinity Sunday when we are experiencing the fullness of the triune God here and now. Paul invited the church in Rome to name their sufferings, to name their pain, because when we do that, when we bring our whole selves, that's when we build a relationship with one another. That's when we build a community. That's when we share love. That is when we realize the fullness of who God is and how God is here with us. Paul was talking about vulnerability centuries before Brene Brown made it cool. Brene Brown gets mentioned around here a lot, even though it's been 10 years since her first TED Talk went viral. But the work that she's done and the light that she has shed on this word vulnerability is truly evergreen. She's done all of this research on how we relate to one another and what makes relationship possible and what makes it impossible. Shame. Shame is what makes relationships impossible. Shame, that fear of disconnection, that wondering, is there something about me that if other people know it or see it, that I won't be worthy of connection? Shame is universal. Everyone has it. No one wants to talk about it. And the less you talk about it, the more you have it. Roman Christians didn't want to talk about their shame or their sufferings, and neither do we. But talking about it is exactly what God calls of us. I remember right as my first daughter was getting ready to come into the world, thinking that I would be a great mom and our lives would just be perfect once she arrived. And she was indeed perfect. You all have seen her around. You know that she's perfect. <laughs> but those first three weeks of Molly Claire's life were really hard for me as a parent. She was a little jaundiced, and she had lost a lot of weight, and it took her a little bit longer than normal to gain back her birth weight. I thought I had to exclusively nurse her in order to be a good mom, and between attempting to do that and giving birth, my body was broken. I was filled with shame and with weakness that my life was not perfect. I remember one day after we got home from another visit to the pediatrician to check her weight, and she was still a little underweight, and I cried the whole way home. Ada texted me asking if the church could do a meal train for us. Now, it took me a while to respond because I didn't need help. I am your pastor. I help you. And truthfully, I wasn't sure if I was really okay with you all seeing me and my unwashed hair in my messy home, because after all, I have a newborn, and the circles that were under my eyes, and my eyes were really red from crying so much because I clearly did not have this motherhood thing all put together. But I said, okay. Actually, I think Thomas was the one that said, okay, but we're a team. <laughs> and then a little while later, pizza showed up on my doorstep. 
And a few days after that, lasagna. Then a few days after that, salmon. And meals for almost my entire maternity leave. God worked through you all to sustain my family as you dropped off meals for those months. And you also shared with me and my pain and my suffering and told me your stories of early parenthood. And you said it was hard for you too. Suddenly, I didn't feel quite so alone. And those moments of vulnerability between you and me naming a hard thing. God showed up and wove our lives together just a little bit tighter. God connected us a little bit stronger because we were vulnerable with one another. In order for that weaving, that kind of connection to happen, we have to allow ourselves to really be seen. For me, that was letting you all be church while I was a new parent. For you, maybe that's receiving flowers, or maybe it's asking to be prayed for, or to simply share that you're grieving and you feel alone. We must be vulnerable before God and before one another because we worship a vulnerable God, God who in Jesus Christ suffered. God who suffered the frustration of friends and not listening when he's trying to tell them the good news of the kingdom to come. God who suffered the heartbreak of being betrayed. God who suffered the pain and the agony and the humiliation of death on the cross. We worship a vulnerable God. And because of what God has done, God the creator, Jesus Christ the redeemer, and the Holy Spirit, the sustainer. We can have hope that our shame and our weakness and our pain and our sufferings, no matter how big or how small, can separate us from God's love or the love that we find in God's people, in one another. Paul invites us to boast in our vulnerability because boasting vulnerability is boasting hope. And that hope is contagious. Paul invites us to take a risk, to share with one another the ways that our hearts have been broken, to bring our full selves into the community of God, even the parts that aren't pretty, the parts that have bags under their eyes and red rims around their cheeks. Because when we do that, when we boast in our vulnerabilities, that's when we join in building God's community. That's when we feel God sustaining us as we share our stories, the very stories that connect us with one another. And that is when we feel the waters washing over us again, reminding us that we do indeed belong to Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Friends, boast in your vulnerability for the sake of the gospel. Amen.